a good one. Cheers. Cheers. Beautiful. Clink, clink. Clink, clink. Um, <laughs> neither of the people you just heard are Julie Starbird. Um, so, welcome to Podlander Drunkcast and Outlander Podcast. Uh, we're talking about the books. I'm Allison, and I'm joined by two very special people. Tell them who you are, friends. Uh, well, I'm Emily, uh, she, her, and I decided one day to make Outlander my entire personality. <laughs> <laughs> welcome, welcome, Emily. I'm Nicole, my pronouns are she, her, and I'm just happy to be here. Great. I'm happy to have both of you. Um, Emily and Nicole are both listeners. Um, mm-hmm. They both came to the live show at the Oasis. The last Which was live a lot show. of fun. It was so fun and it was so yeah. nice to see them in person. And we chatted then and decided that rather than me just sort of rambling into a microphone by myself about the sixth book, that I should talk to other people who have read it. Obviously, Julie's whole deal, Julie's whole personality is I haven't read Outlander. Um, <laughs> so, and you know what? She'll never hear that. Fuck you, Julie. <laughs> Uh, she will never listen to this episode because she doesn't want spoilers. So eat shit, Julie. Um, yeah, take that. that take yeah, that. This is 100% going to end up being what they pull for promoting the episode on social. Um, can't wait for her to be so mad at me. Anyway. I'm going to have to delete my Instagram. Yeah. yeah great. Great. Me too. Our lives are ruined. Yeah. Um, everything's fine. We are talking. I will stand for this Julie slander. Uh, I will. I will do more Julie slander. Surprise, we're not talking about A Breath of Snow and Ashes. We're talking about how much Julie sucks. Um, No, we're talking about A Breath of Snow and Ashes, the sixth book in the Outlander series, which was ostensibly the source material for the sixth season of Outlander. And it mostly was. um, But we are going to have a freewheeling conversation about what works, what doesn't, what they kept, what they excluded, what they pulled from other books, um, how fucking great Malva is when we were all so worried that she was going to be terrible. Um, all, all of the, we're going to talk about P- Bobby and the piles. I'm sure oh. we'll talk like, we're going to talk oh, I about, definitely will bring up Bobby. Yeah. We're going to talk about the, the Frenchman's gold. We're going to, we got topics to talk about. I am sure. Um, but my first question for the both of you is um, as people who have read the monks, <laughs> How do you feel about this season's adaptation overall? Not the season, which I think I'm assuming that we can all agree that this season was pretty great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. But specifically, how do you think it did? Uh, how was the, their job of adaptation? How well is this book represented on screen? Um, personally, I thought that it was really, really well done. Like they picked so many conversations straight out of the book. Mm -hmm. And even though they were in like different orders and stuff like that, I thought that sticking so close to the source material is probably a little bit of why I really liked the season. Hmm. Is there a specific conversation that you're thinking of that is particularly right on? Um, so I know of two off the top of my head, obviously the one where Jamie's explaining to her about the nine lives, which he gets so many, he's so lucky about it. Um, and (laughs) 27 lives, Jamie can't go like in the books. Obviously it's just one of those offhand conversations that they have while they're in bed because who doesn't philosophize in bed, (laughs) but I liked that the show gave it a little bit more gravity to it. But the other conversation, and this one is just one of my personal favorites, is 
when they're laying in bed and Jamie's talking about how, um, like how important touch was at Ardsmuir prison. And, um, I'm trying to remember where it's something like, Oh, sometimes in the night, the men would go to each other for touch and everybody could feel really restless. And she asked him, well, did anybody ever touch you? And he's like, no, because I was their leader and stuff like that. And that's one of my favorite conversations in the book. Do I know why? Absolutely not. Oh, I mean, I feel like I could make a guess. I I think that Diana does such a good job. We're close personal friends. Um, Mm -hmm. I think, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I did give her whiskey that one time. Um, I think that she does a really good job, um, maybe sometimes an overly good job, of letting things that are complicated be complicated. Like, obviously, Jamie is not gay. Um, yeah. We know Jamie's not gay. And you know what, Jamie, as much as the as the devoted Lord John fans might like to think that maybe Jamie Fraser is canonically bisexual, he's not. He's not, he's, but I like to dream. Yeah, yeah same. Um, he is, I, fr- frankly, if one half of this marriage is going to be canonically bisexual, it is obviously Claire. Um, like, <laughs> let's be real. If one of them is bi, it's definitely Claire. But um, I really appreciate that she found a way to make that both be a sign of his the strength of his connection to the men at Ardsmere and how much they respected him and relied on him and how isolating and lonely that can be um and I think that loneliness is one of the themes that Diana does a really good job with um that and terrifying train rides underground but we'll get to that this is a good point where for me to mention (laughs) So the scope of this conversation is we are going to be talking about book six, obviously. However, based on the nature of the adaptation, we are unavoidably also going to be talking about events from probably books five and seven. Um, I think the book seven stuff in particular is pretty unavoidable. Um just based on some of the things they chose to include and exclude and some changes that they made last season. Um, (coughs) Roger and Priyana. Um, So if you are listening to this episode and you are not a book reader and you're like, I don't care about spoilers. I just want to hear about the adaptation. That's fine. But be warned. It is an absolute certainty that we're going to end up spoiling some stuff that's coming ahead. And frankly, when they first made some changes, I know in my heart, I inadvertently spoiled some things because I assumed they had cut them entirely. Anyway, uh, you've been warned. So if you don't want any outlander spoilers, and you haven't read the books don't listen if you've read the books we're not spoiling shit for you um and we're not going to talk about bees at all um i've got nicole and emily on you're not allowed to make that joke police about uh but if you've read the books you know exactly what joke we're talking about oh yeah and if you've spent any time at all in the slack you know exactly what joke we're talking about because i could not contain myself um i absolutely lost my mind uh that was really that is it see i cannot help myself i just know i just want to talk constantly about that scene however you can listen to me talk about that scene in uh, a patreon exclusive that's going to come out alongside this episode or maybe a couple days after this episode uh in which i i tell janine prior to his departure about a certain very memorable scene in go tell the bees that i am gone um so get that's ready for it is it is extremely memorable. Yeah. There are so many oh shits. I don't know that it's the most oh shits that I ever got out of that man, but it's a lot of oh shits. 
Anyway, we'll speak now or first. I'm sure. It's a it's mucho oh shit. Yeah. Um, so this is the point where you jump off if you don't want to hear anything about in the books. So Bye. Um, Emily likes the scenes taken straight from book six and generally overall thumbs up. Nicole, what about you? How do you feel about this season's adaptation? I really liked it. And like we were talking a little bit earlier about how this book just has so many storylines in it intertwined that they couldn't have possibly included all of it. So again, they put some of it in season five. I'm sure they're going to put some of it in the next season, but I really like the stuff that they chose to include in this season from the book. And like Emily Mm -hmm. said, like there was a lot where like, it was almost word for word from the book, like the conversations and the things they said. And some of it was two different people. And like you said, at different times, but I I really, and that's one thing I like about the show just in general is how close it is to the books. Like, obviously it would be like a hundred seasons if we did it exactly from the book, which I wouldn't mind at all, but (laughs) I love how close they're keeping it. And I I hope they continue that with the next books coming because I really enjoy what's coming next. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm really interested to see how they do that, if they do that at all. So. Yeah, I want to see what Katrina Balfe actually looks like at 57, is what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. Just keep them coming. Uh, at that point, Claire will be 80. No, who are we kidding? It's going <laughs> to, Diana is writing these books faster than they can make the show, yeah. which is why it's the anti-George R. R. Martin. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. That's a B spoiler I don't mind touching on. The sick burn that Diana Gabaldon sneaks in on George R. R. Martin. Um, Shut up, in, where? Oh, well, there's a chapter called The Winds of Winter. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. No, that, yeah. that makes sense. Um, which their friends and n- neighbors, I think they're kind of neighbors, um, cool or at least they live near each other. So it is 100% like a, ha ha. Yeah. I got I got my book out way nah, before nah, nah, yours. Nah, nah. Yeah. <laughs> oh look, it's the winds of winter. Here you go, Game of Thrones fans. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, apparently Diane is a troll, and I live for it. Because if there's one okay. thing I know, there's a big crossover of uh, Game of Thrones and Outlander fans. They're usually <laughs> the same, basically. I mean, there's me. I'm at the right. center of yeah. those Venn diagrams. At least three, I'm sure. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, what didn't work for you? Is there anything where uh, specifically... You know what? That's too broad a question. Um, Talking about all of the things that they included, let's start here. What didn't they include that you think either this season was lacking because it wasn't there or you're like, head scratch, how are they going to deal with all of this future plot development when they excluded, say, I'll just rip the Band-Aid off, uh, Roger and Brianna going to the future? Um, yeah. A major <laughs> plot point, uh, harkening yeah. back to the very scary underground train ride, which is probably unfilmable. Um, so it's not like they were going to make that happen anyway. But right. God, I love it so much. I love it. It's not in this <laughs> book. I don't care. I love it. I, I wish that we were going to see it and we probably won't. Yeah. What, uh, what, was, what was missing for you or the, what, the absence of things that were bewildering to you, I guess? Um, so one, oh, oh yeah, great. go for it. Go for it. I'm ready to hear it. <laughs> just a couple of things. Um, we talked about it earlier, uh, the Bobby Higgins storyline just completely Bobby. left out. Like, I which I, Bobby I, I really like him in the book. Like, I'm really excited to see like kind of what they decide to do with him or not. Like, I feel like that would be a really great storyline to choose. So, well, but. and, and he is going to be important later. 
Right. With the scene that I can't talk about. So, yeah, like, exactly. we need, like, we need, we need Bobby. To, like, he's got to come back in, or in at all. Um, the uh, uh, Manfred McGivory and Lizzie stuff, mm-hmm. and him. Absolutely. Like, yeah, so. But, I mean, I can see where they could cut that. I don't even think he's in the show at all, the, and any of his family, right? Mm-mm. Yeah, I didn't think Maybe so. they're mentioned, but they're certainly not prominent characters. No, not at all. I mean, like, Lizzie was engaged to him. I mean, it was a whole big thing, and then the syphilis, and the, all, he ran away, and so. Yeah. But And that also, so I was reading it, and he ends up getting married to the prostitute that Stephen Bonnet sleeps with when he is, when he kidnapped Bree. Mm-hmm. Just, that makes sense, right? I got that right. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So I think so. That's a huge connection as well. He for sure marries a sex worker. Yes. Um Yeah, I think it's the the same one. I think you're correct. Effie, I think her name was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in the book. In the book. In the book. Um, yeah, and I don't know. I think that there's a little issue that is isn't huge right now because it isn't important right now but based on what's coming that I struggle with a little bit which is that they're doing a lot of work in developing for obvious reasons in this season the fisher folk as an entity Um, but the fisher folk only work if they are a part of the community that feel like outsiders um and that are hostile towards claire but they have to have loyalists right and they're we know they're there they talk about them but we're just not spending any time it feels like with the people who are actually in the fraser's corner which becomes so important because it's when uh when they start to lose faith in Claire after all of the Malva shit, that that's part of what's so isolating about it. That's part of what is so confusing for them and so hurtful for them. And by focusing on the Fisher folk, I think we lose some of that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, especially but, because in the book, the Fisher folk are just like one domino of the effect that leads to what ends up happening to the Frasers, which is them, you know, their house getting seized and all of that going on. But that's one of the reasons, like with uh, Utmi Glover and the whole family, of showing how the Frasers are so established in this community. And then slowly, one by one, these different factors of their community start picking off. So you're right. I do like seeing when we get more of the people who aren't just the Fisher folk and then the Frasers themselves, if you get more of their the band of the people outside of them, you can see slowly how they start falling out with this family over the things that happen to them. Yeah, like yeah. Manfred, right? Yeah. Like all of these little pieces of connective tissue that make it so it's really complicated. Um, that's part of why, oh God, I'm going to forget his stinking name. Um, oh, he's so important in bees. The, uh, the, but Hiram Crombie, there we go. Yeah, um, he's a that, huge part in this book too. Yes. But I think that they do a re- he's one of the exceptions for me. They do a reasonable job of making it clear that he is a person whose name we should remember, um, which seems like a really low bar. And I guess it is a really low bar. But based on what's coming, we we have to know what all of these tensions are, where people's priorities are, how religion comes into play, how money comes into play, how 
loyalty to the crown comes into play, how um, the role they played in the right, what role, if any, they played in the rising, um, whether or not they're with the Sons of Liberty, like all of these little pieces. And I feel like there are episodes where we got bits and pieces of that, right? And it, if only because that to me is my preferred mode of Jamie when we're not talking about hot sex is Jamie is really smart and political and he will manipulate you and be play both sides and he is really good at that stuff that's my jamie of choice yeah um and we do get a lot of that this season but but i sort of wish there was more specifically and maybe this this is the time to take the lid off this jar of worms um specifically with the bugs who basically just barely exist oh god i wish you could have seen it listeners it's an aural medium but emily's face just now um you go ahead and kick off this one emily because i can tell you have feelings so when the bugs were introduced in the fifth season they basically just showed their face and then they were like the faceless servants of the phrasers behind that and yeah so we sort of i mean justice for arch and merdina we wanted more of them and in this season we do get like a little bit more but there's nowhere near the complexity to their characters or how intermingled they are with the family. Like there's still, Jamie treats uh, Merdina Bug as like his servant when he comes in from his first trip with the natives and then he just like throws his coat at her and she's, and you just see clips of her like cleaning the house. Like she's way, way more important than that in the books. And I was like, they're doing them so dirty. And they're also a really, really, really key couple in a very big plot point that travels on to the rest of the series yeah and i'm like you guys yeah. not, they're just the housemaids they're just the people who you know farm some fields right uh this is another jump this is one of the things that is unavoidable to talk about if we're going to talk about adaptation so if you do not want to know anything that happens after book six this is one of the last things that happens in this book um, but it's got huge repercussions. So jump off now or maybe fast forward like five minutes. I don't know. Um, I'll go. Me, 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 me. You've got time to skip ahead. Uh, so <laughs> Merdina, we have to love. And I think that the show does an okay job with her this season. We get the... Um, the like fun little lotsy of her and Lizzie sort of vying for control of the table. Um, we get her pie sort of pie gate. Totally. <laughs> we get her busybody energy with Jemmy. Um, some of the tension that we were looking for with the rest of the Ridge comes out with her between her and Claire specifically. Um, there's the, a little moment with Roger and Arch. Um, but to me, Arch is the big problem because uh, it, at the end of the Mac, um, after the fires happened, which, God, I don't know. I mean, it's literally hundreds of pages. They ended yeah. hundreds of pages early. And I wouldn't change it because I actually love the cliffhanger. But they end hundreds of pages early. So uh, all, all this stuff that happens, and a big part of that is the fire and then the gold, which sets off just a massive catastrophic chain of events. Um. So, yeah, I think it's, it is justice for Arch and Merdina, but also what the fuck are they going to do with Ian if Archbug is sort of a nameless, faceless non-entity? Like, if he right. isn't a character that we are invested in and, frankly, terrified of, how does like, any of that stuff work at all? Your mind thinking about him. Like, yeah. if he's yeah. not anything that we think of 
prevalently now, how are we going to be able to think of him just constantly out there waiting the whole time? Yeah. yeah, it ruins Ian's entire motivation throughout the entire seventh book. Yeah. We have got to... We got to, there's got to be something. There's got to be something. Maybe this will just be, I don't know. Maybe they just cut the storyline entirely. Um, and that's, I thought they were going to cut the Frenchman's gold after they like briefly mentioned it when, uh, in season five, when Jocasta got married to Duncan Innes, which mm-hmm. another one, justice for Duncan. But um, I thought that they were going to kind of mention it once there. And then we got the backstory with the gold and then no mention of it previously. And I hadn't seen any mention of it in season six, except I think maybe one little, I cannot remember, but I feel like while I was watching it, I was like, oh, maybe we will get the gold, maybe. But I, again, I don't know how they would fit it in at this point. Does it come up with Ulysses? Oh my gosh, I can't remember. If it does, it's fleeting. Um, And to be honest, it's not the most compelling storyline. It's just that it's linked to so much of what happens moving forward. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like the storyline itself is kind of like, okay. Mm-hmm. But just the actual physical presence of the gold is right. another thing that just drives so much of the plot. Uh, speaking of the things that it drives in the plot, here's another one. Um, again, if you don't want to know things that happen in the future, but this one goes, this goes back a while. Um, so Brianna and Roger, um, I don't know how much of this I'm allowed to say because I do a lot of like obsessive research about what's coming up in the later seasons. So I know some things about some things, but I'm going to, I'm going to wait. I'm going to, I'm going to see what Nicole has to say before I start potentially ruining things. All right. So are we talking about the whole, like, Brie and Roger go to the future? Like, for real? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, I, I think it's, uno- I think it's unavoidable. Right. Um, because they. Because, I mean, even that's connected to the Frenchman's gold, right? Like. Yes. That's hugely connected of, like, to the Frenchman's guys, gold. Like, come and attack them because they, like, no, I, it's been a while since I've read that book, but uh, there's a huge connection there with the Frenchman's gold. Like you said, it's not a, the storyline in itself isn't you know big but everything is just so connected yeah so it's going to be weird to see where they sever the ties of that connection of them it's being it's the like or the if present. um I don't know. <laughs> it's a i mean it's a MacGuffin essentially right but she takes it so serious excuse me she takes it so seriously in practical terms in the book like we're very aware of gems and gold and how important they are for all kinds of things right they need to know where the gold is in case they have to bribe somebody in case they have to run and they have to take care of themselves they obviously need to know where gems are both because money and also travel right Mm -hmm. the ticket back so that stuff always becomes really important um and i think by introducing the idea that Brianna and Jem and Roger were going to go back in the last season. Um, It just threw a real big wrench in the works, I think, because now they're going to, are are they going to go back again? Like, are they still going to do Mandy's arrhythmia? Right. Yeah. Like, are they just going to completely cut out them going to the future the whole point like i thought maybe they were just gonna like skip all of that entirely and maybe skip mandy too and 
they would just be there and all of the storylines would be adjusted to like around that yeah which is weird but doable but now that brie is knocked up again like yeah like you said are they just gonna make mandy just fine like she doesn't have anything wrong with her and then so because i mean literally the reason that they go back is because mandy's sick she's got the heart arrhythmia thing so if they cut that out there's really i mean other than the you know huge impending war coming there's really no reason for them to go back so they could very easily just cut that whole storyline out Mm -hmm. which would be a bummer because i'd really like to see that yeah i want to see you know brie looking cute and right cool outfits yeah, I want to see more Lollybrock. Like, yeah, I want to see you know, future. Like, I want to see the like, box of letters. Yes. I love the box oh, of letters. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Oh, and the book of like fairy tales. And yeah. Oh. Yeah. But the thing um, about Journey Cake, and that's the episode in season five where they do like the fake out of Bree and Roger potentially going back. It made me laugh because for an episode that is very so, it's so obviously fan service. That's all that episode was. They gave us nothing that was fan service except for that single episode. Mm-hmm. They did the one thing that annoyed the hell out of me because it stopped. And I'm like, okay, well, are they going to do it again? Just like one season later? How are we going? Are you just going to, we faked you out once before, but <laughs> just kidding. We're coming back to it. Right. Like, this time it's going like, to work. Like, it makes it promise. so unbelievable that it's like, well, we tried once, and we're like, wah, wah, and now we're trying again, and hopefully it goes better. Yeah. I feel like the entirety of them trying to go to the future in, like, on the show was completely pointless. Like, we could have completely yeah. done without that. Like, Well, it, it was like they didn't for? know what else to do with Roger, which is bizarre. He's such an interesting character yeah. on the page, especially once we get past when he sucks you know but we're past the roger sucks era or at least we should be so um so he should be really interesting like his shifting relationship with god and all the things he's learning from jamie and the complexities of that relationship which i've always found fascinating some of the stuff this season is good um you know i think that they did a nice job with the amy mccallan stuff um Mm -hmm. which could have just been unbearable (laughs) (laughs) Um, it could have been, it could have been unbearable. Yeah. Um, but they did a really nice job with it. They did, yeah. Um, so then, the why, like, why is it? I mean, I guess maybe if the idea is to make it clear that they would stay if they could, but they have to leave. Maybe the fake out works in that regard. But basically I just hate that if they end up going back again, I'm going to be real pissed about that fake out. That is a lot of time and energy that was totally wasted that we could have been making the matches more exciting. You know what I mean? Like there's all this good Brie and Roger content that we could have been talking about. And instead, uh, no, Roger just wanted to take a shower. So they... (laughs) I would rather watch an entire episode of Brie trying to build a a kiln in her backyard if that could have swapped out that whole storyline. Oh, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I want Brie... What else could Brie invent? Wouldn't it be great if she invented uh, moving pictures? That'd be great. 
flip oh, books like movies yeah right i mean she does paper it. eventually yeah. but i want more i want more uh substantial media i want brie to bring instagram to the ridge yes glamping yeah. ah you know that marsley would be an influencer you just know it i would follow her to the ends of the world oh totally and yeah. she would probably come about it honestly too it would probably be like she was just posting about her life and then everybody All of a loved her like a million followers yeah yeah as opposed to Lizzie, who would want very much to be an influencer. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about Lizzie. <laughs> Speaking of, wonderful segue. Right, yeah. Um, Chekhov's ointment. Uh, that filled me with such... That was an adaptation moment I really loved. I was like, ooh, that was just for us. That was a wink It's like us. the second you saw it, you go, okay, uh, I mean, I maybe possibly know what that means. Right. It's, it's going to be very slippery. <laughs> oh! Um, just uh, that storyline, both in the books and on the show, shouldn't work at all. I think it does work in the books. Did it work on the show for you? Did you buy into um, Lizzie and the two Beardsleys? Uh, yes, <laughs> I thoroughly yeah. enjoyed it in a really weird way. But that was one of my favorite parts that I, because I was wondering how they were going to do it, if at all, because again, it's kind of weird but kind, no kind yeah. of an understatement it's extremely weird it's really weird it's not so. because it's not like they're i mean we joked a lot about them being a thruple but it's not that they're a thruple because obviously the beardsleys are not romantically involved with each other right. they are brothers yeah so it really identical is just twin that brothers that identical twin brothers <laughs> it really is just like lizzie has she's just a she's a wee bigamist um mm -hmm. as they say in the bit uh and she views that you know i should really be talking to the caldwells about this specifically i wonder if that i can't believe i didn't think of this before i will need to mental note ask the caldwells what they think about um twins as two twins one spouse um <laughs> maybe maybe, maybe broach it gently because that's yeah. a weird conversation to have with someone oh yeah i mean they're familiar they they've heard a lot of jokes about lizzie getting freaky um i i think that it mostly worked too and i was not sure that it would i that i will say that the showing the ointment as early as they did i was like oh okay this is war this is their them saying no we are gonna do this mm -hmm. so Get ready. Yeah. It's yeah. about they to be the strange. If you it. know, you know. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, and I, th I think partially because uh, Caitlin Orion is really good. Um, partially because we just needed like a a break in the tension at that point. Like they yeah. they deployed it at the perfect moment because not only did it remove. Um, some potential help from Claire and Jamie at a point when they could have used it, which increases the tension, right? They had to yeah. send the Beersleys away because sex right. scandal. <laughs> you know what the Ridge doesn't need right now? More mess. Um, right. Go hang out in go a cabin. Away, please. Yeah. Um, but also, uh, I we just needed something stupid to happen, you know? It was so intense. Yeah. Just like really just something really stupid and you, the two best sources for really stupid are uh lizzie and ian and ian wasn't getting stupid this season because ian was getting tragic backstory this season which i am yeah. fine with yeah he he i, I want to say he deserves it but he doesn't he's right. so sweet he's so sweet yeah 
Um, how did you feel, speaking of, how did you feel about our Ian flashback episode? I loved it. I loved yeah. every second of it. I would watch a show just about Ian and everything that he's been through. Like, I really think they handled it well. In, in the books, it was great. He, he told the story to Brianna and... Yeah, he tells Marsley right? originally about, like, losing his first right. child, but he tells Bree later about the whole entire saga the whole of they go losing on, like, children, a multiple together, ones, and men. Right? Yeah. They go see yeah. the mammoth. Oh, yes, right, yeah. Yeah. That's I, one of the scenes that for whatever reason it's burned so firmly in my brain that I sincerely believed it happened on the show. Um like I really I ha I could see in my head um, how you picture it. Yeah, yeah Sophie like and John Bell happens. having yeah. that conversation. Um and of course it didn't. Right. Uh but I think it's that's an indication of of how strong that storyline is, and what a good job, frankly, the show has done in making the Ian Brianna relationship obviously an important one. Even if they don't spend a ton of time together, um, I think that they seem really connected. But I like that they shifted it to Jamie. I think that that makes a lot of sense. Um, it was one of those parallels that I hadn't even thought of it when I was reading the books until the show laid it out for me and I was like oh my gosh yes like yeah. of all the people that could relate to Ian it would be Jamie mm -hmm. who lost a child and wasn't a wasn't able to be there for their partner to try to help them through it and it was just a lot of ambiguity on their end and I was like I perfect I was like you know what Joe there you go I'll give you one point I don't know if Matthew had a hand in that, but we'll give him one point. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that was Tony. Um, you're right. You're right. Uh, I will say in as a little plus sign in the Ian column, um, while they do have a similar struggle, at least Ian didn't shoot anybody in the dick. <laughs> <laughs> no, but he does punch him in the face. He does. That's true. Um, that's true. Uh, okay, so we talk about Ian and Jamie. We talked a little about Brianna and Roger. Let's talk about the Christies. The Christies, I wow, I could go on for ages about how well they nailed down the Christies. Oh, yeah. the, like, the casting itself, like the second they yeah. released that Jessica Reynolds was Mama Eyes, I sent it to every single friend I know that watches Outlander that reads it, and I'm like, this is her. This is her. She's the most her. important one. Like, yeah, yeah. And she, you're right that she absolutely, the, her face is perfect. I was like, oh, great. Yep. 100%. Got it. Perfect casting. Um, but I was unprepared for how good she was. Yeah. Um, absolutely. And I know that I've talked about this on the show before, but I, I was so nervous about this storyline because Outlander has not, Outlander the TV show, um, has not always manage the complexities as well as one might hope sometimes yes absolutely but not always um and i was very worried especially as the show has gotten unfortunately um it's not so much male gazy as like the female gaze as put through the male gaze does that make sense i always think about the fucking jamie diving into the hurricane <laughs> and how that is like a the encapsulation of what a man thinks the female gaze is yeah um, that's, and yeah, that's that's that's, that's not it 
it's not, not it no, it's not colin it. firth coming out of the pond right <laughs> it's like it's emotional gravity and wet torso it's mm. not just do, 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 do. like it's not Crystal that clear yeah yeah yes so i was worried that it would be like ooh, well the ladies that you know this one's all schemy so we're gonna she's gonna be just really scary and evil and no they let her be every bit as complicated she is not a she is not a perfect victim quote unquote right she is not a temptress at all i don't think there's any indication that the show thinks of malva as being um a person who enjoys sex right like she's not she uses it for power for power and yeah. to try to save herself, yeah. right? Like yeah. she's, yeah. It's, like, it is power because power. she, yeah. yeah, and that she feels so powerless. So right. it's the only way that she'll try to grab it back. Yeah. But yeah, so she does this whole thing where she, she's demure and then also a little bit, I guess, creepy underneath. And you want to think that the demure is like a, a cover for it. Like she's being coy, but I don't think so. I think she actually is both this kind of, I don't want to say... I don't know the right word for it, but she is vulnerable inside where she's affected by things that happen around her. She's not just like this cold hearted, just, you know, trying to play everyone. Like she obviously is emotionally impacted by what's going on around her, but she, I mean, she's manipulative. And I think that a lot of people want to either see her as a victim, someone that's just being brought to every decision by the things that she's that have happened to her or that she's extremely calculating. I'm like, she is both. Both. Yeah. yeah, She is. She does manipulate like the way that she turned on Claire when Alan walked outside where you, I truly could not tell. It's the moment of what was the fake before. Yeah. I frankly, that might be one of the single best moments of acting in the entire show. I would put it up there with like, totally. I would put her up there with, um, uh, all of, Frank, uh, basically all of because Tobias is say what you want about oh, Frank. Tobias. Tobias is great in both those roles, but he is especially good as Frank. Yeah, um, Frank is so complicated, and I and I think even when the show doesn't necessarily think that Frank is all that complicated, Tobias always let him be really, really complicated. So thinking about like um, where'd she get the red hair? Like that's one of those moments that lives in my brain because he's so good in it. Yeah. And that turn when she turns back to Claire when Alan comes out is really. Um, it's really great. I will say this one little tiny casting ding, though. Speaking of Alan, um, that actor is very good, and he, when you like see him just being himself on Instagram, he does not seem like a total creep. But there is something about the way, whether it's how they costumed him or how they shot him, they made it way too obvious that he's the one. You know well, what I mean? That's what I was saying. Because when yeah. I was reading the book and it that was like revealed, I was like, holy shit. But I know so many people that are like, it's her brother, isn't it? Totally. Right. Yeah. God damn it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Julie guessed it surprisingly early. Um, oh, yeah. They just, they're, they made him too creepy. Yeah. Um, I, I just think refused they, to give up the ghost. Uh, they say it was her brother. Is it? Oh, I don't know. It could be anybody. Right. Who yeah. knows? Yeah. I mean, he is unambiguously a negative force in her life and, frankly, all of their lives, right? But the... Maybe it's specifically the funeral, which I think was really good. Although, although Claire being like, I'll carry the baby coffin yeah, is so oh messed up. I got it. Yeah. Claire, honey. The fucking like, room. No, she's not, she's not really good at, she's not 
Girl. Oh, she is. Oh, she, okay. You got to lay off the ether, sweet pea. We're going to talk about the ether next. Oh, yeah. That's not, this is a very bad idea. Yeah, um, but his, um, and it's something that you see in abusers. His performative grief was so unsettling. And so in that respect, it was really well done. But that for sure is when I, when Julie was like, oh yeah, obviously it's the brother, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe oh. it's. It could be, possibly. I don't, maybe it's um, Hiram Crombie. I don't know. It's not, never Hiram Maybe it's Crombie. that dude from the church that Roger walked in. It's probably just him. He's yeah. random. He's oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's definitely, they spent enough time on that. Come on. Obadiah, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, Obadiah Henderson to the rescue. Yeah. Um, let's talk about Tom, because yeah, I speechless a lot of the times. And this is one thing where I think that uh, what is it, Mark Lewis Jones? I think his name is. Yeah, that Mark Bluchon did amazing with everything that they were given with Tom because he's very reserved. He's very, I, I, I would say gruff, but mm-hmm. he gave him a certain softness behind the eyes. And you can see in the ways that he's reacting with Claire where a lot of, you know, he's chastising her for being, you know, slutty whore, no bonnet wearing witch, but right. not really a witch. But one of the things I will say is the same way that Alan completely shocked me, the, the fact that Tom Christie and everything that he did for Claire and like his motivation behind that, I think the show made it slightly more obvious, but not in as overt a way as they did with Alan. I think some of that might be book knowledge because I certainly picked up on that, but Julie didn't. Julie could tell that there, I mean, because they made that relationship so important. Right. Yeah. Um, but she does not know what to make of where we left things with how with the choices he made basically and the world's worst camping trip um so i wonder if maybe uh if maybe we can see what it is that's going on because we're aware of what's coming and they're doing a good job of foreshadowing it um but i i hope that that one is subtle enough Um, i think so i think if you hadn't read the books and you watched the show that you would pick up on something deeper in that connection between Tom and Claire, but maybe not love. Well, maybe... they have chemistry. Oh, for um, sure. Absolutely. At the wazoo. Yeah, yeah. and it's not romantic chemistry, right. and it's not sexual chemistry, but there's a, um, like a kindred spirits thing. It, oh, that's perfectly well said. Yes, exactly. <laughs> there's something there that's, but you, you don't know what it is exactly, because you can't place it, because it's, is it love? Is it mm-hmm. desire? Is it hate? Is, is it, it guilt? Is it, oh, oh, there you go. I was just going to yeah. say something about his wife, too. Like, is it some sort of, like, weird, like, redemption thing of, like, it, you know, how he feels about his wife, but how he feels about Claire, but how he feels about Malva, just everything going on. Yeah. Well. I think um, that he is one of the few times that the show has succeeded in doing something that even Diana doesn't always succeed at, which is these people and these men specifically are the products of a time where the things that they are taught are right and good are abhorrent to our contemporary eyes, right? Um, 
obviously the spanking episode is like the really big example of this um which it's that's a hard pill to swallow in the book too and then they put that kick and punch and fight and kick and punch music behind it and it is it's a little bit of a hard sell but here i think that both the writers and especially Mark Lewis Jones does such a good job of making it clear that the things that he's doing are absolutely abhorrent. But he believes in his bones that that is, is the, the right thing. only thing to do. There is no question. That's absolutely It's the moral the thing, thing to thing do. It's do. the responsible no thing to do. Exactly. Yeah. And, um, and part of it is just that there, that softness that you talked about, Emily, behind the eyes is like, you can see that he hates it. Like, he hates it because he's very intelligent and because he sees in Jamie a model of what the wrong thing, which is actually the right thing, is. So he just... he that tension really comes through. He's so committed because there is no other choice and he hates it. Yeah. He hates treating his daughter the way that he's treating his daughter. I don't actually know that he hates treating his son the way he's treating his son because his son <laughs> is a fucking monster. Piece yeah. of shit. Yeah. yeah. Um, but he hates all of those. He hates all of it, but he hates the constraints and he hates what happened to his wife. And he, he, he is so uncomfortable with it, but the belief is so deep seated that it doesn't seem to him that there is any other choice. Yeah. And, and Diana brings that out on the page, but they did a really nice job in bringing it out on the show. And the flashback to Ardsmuir was such a huge part of that. I know that, people who hadn't read the books some people seem to think that that was a bit of a waste of time and to me it was like no no that's, not at all that's set up perfectly yeah the like, reason he's so uncomfortable with jamie and with claire is that th- there isn't room in his worldview for anything like the kind of flexibility that they have yeah. um there is no gray it's no gray at all that's it so jamie is just sort of living proof of something that he needs to not be true because of the losses he's experienced because of uh, all kinds of things. Like those rigid structures are obviously things he depends on. So knowing what's coming on top of all of that, God, Oh, when I realized that they were going to end this season before everything happens, Mm -hmm. I was like, Oh, thank God. Julie doesn't even know. We haven't even gotten to Mark Lewis Jones Emmy episode yet. Oh, like, and Uh, we've seen some good shit, but like we haven't even gotten there yet. Um, and Oh my God, his perform. God, I literally, I've got goosebumps. His performance in the finale. Um, all of that nonverbal acting that he does. (laughs) Well, because it's like for a character that you just said, he sees no gray. Everything is black and white. You do what you do because you have to. It is the first time you see him, and he is very obviously gray inside. You have no idea what he's got going on. So um, I'm so, so excited to see what they end up doing with him. Uh, Let's talk about some of the good changes, Um, because there are some. Uh, First of all, 
I had forgotten that this book has quite a lot of Stephen Bonnet in it. I was, when you said good changes, I was like, ooh, they didn't put, they got rid of Bonnet in five. That was the best thing they could have done. That was very smart. I'm glad that they jumped ahead. I'm glad that the only Bonnet that we got in this season was the balls in a jar. (laughs) Which again, fan service, I'll take the little nod. I'll take it, I'll take it. Let's put, let's, bonnets, bollocks, let's do it. Fantastic word choice. Um. <laughs> I I just really delighted in that. Um, so I think that was a good change. Mm-hmm. I think um, the place that they ended on um, and bringing in his time as an Indian agent that was really smart. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a little narratively convenient, like it's a little bit of a we put a bow on it because right. they have to resolve something since they're leaving so much up in the air with the cliffhanger. Um, it's a little overly tidy, um, but we still get that amazing moment of being being like, oh, no, well, I mean, we know where Auntie is. Boom! Boom. Right yeah. through the hand. That oh. shot was so yeah. cool. Extremely cool. <laughs> really, really great. Uh, what else? What were some other good changes? Uh, one thing that I really enjoyed, and it was episode, I think, it was the cars. It was the room as the sex toy, wasn't it? <laughs> you know, God, it's like you read my mind. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead, Emily. It know? was the episode with uh, Flora McDonald, 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 McDonald. <laughs> yes. <laughs> where I loved the way that they ended that with the man in jail whistling that futuristic song who'd stolen the jewel. And as the book reader, you're immediately like, holy shit, Donner. Yeah. Donner. Perfect. And the way yeah. that they like, they cut it just as he was about to turn his shoulder, yeah. his shoulder. So like, you don't actually see who it is. I thought that that was fantastic because it's yeah. a nice little nod to, by the way, I know that we have all of these overt villains right in front of you, but there's this little sinister man sitting yeah. in the corner. Yeah. yeah. Which is, Which- I think another good change uh, because there was absolutely not room. They picked the right amount of story for this season. Were there things I wish were in it? Sure. But I have no problem doing uh, the Donner stuff next season. I think that was really smart. Yeah. And first season that takes place specifically on the ridge. I I liked that when they went away from the ridge, you saw some different out of the ridge villains. And then everything's back onto the ridge. So you know that in the world out there, there's still things going on. It's not all just in this one area. And so much happens after that point that people are going to forget you know and then he's going to they're going to show that whistling in a previously on oh yeah and, and, you're just and the three know, of us like, are going to be like, like it's on i know, yeah. I know what it it's is coming. yeah <laughs> <laughs> me like yeah. oh right that guy what the hell yeah. does that mean oh oh <laughs> you don't even know yeah um chekhov's ether too um so much ether lad we gotta talk about the ether but i don't know whether or not that's gonna come up as a good thing so uh nicole what's your what's a good thing for you what do you think was a really good i can't think of anything off the top of my head right now um i'm just like you said earlier like i love the storylines that they chose for this part of the season it's gonna be really interesting to see what they choose from the rest of the book that already hasn't been done in either season five or season six in season seven so i'll be interested to see like how long it's going to be because I know this one was shortened do you think if it hadn't been shortened because of COVID we would have gotten more story or do you think they still would have stuck with this and kind of just extended that story more with the, all the Malva stuff I think we probably would have gotten more yeah um 
But I'm yeah. glad we didn't. <laughs> right. I know. Yeah. I, I understand why it is that fans wish that there were more episodes. But frankly, see, I would much rather have eight episodes where six of them are incredibly solid right and mm-hmm. two are arguably all-timer i mean i would there's at least one episode this season that i would put in my top three maybe yeah. my top two mm-hmm. um and quite a few more that I, I like more than anything in season five um yeah. so yeah. i would rather have really solid well done more compressed than something big and sprawling but you know, if you look at season one, that's essentially just two seasons cut in half. And I would have, that could have also been the case. Like if right. part one of season six had been Netflix style, right? Right, yeah. Part, if season six, part one had been the Christie's and season mm-hmm. six, part two had been d- recovering from the Christie's and Donner and the beginning of the um all the stuff that we're going to get next season, maybe Brie and Roger, maybe not. We could have worked in the Mandy if they're going to go that way. Um, I guess maybe that's my, the the best change is that, and I guess it's not a change. It's just a a condensed condensation, condensed, condensed it into just this story with a little bit of other stuff. And then they're going to focus on other stuff instead of, cramming everything into eight episodes or however many there were, yeah. they're going to kind of spread it out a little bit. Yeah, and since I'm, like I mentioned before, I'm looking at like the production stuff a lot. One of the things that I had read about it is that they, obviously they intended this season to be 12 episodes, but because of COVID and time mm-hmm. restrictions and Katrina Bell's pregnancy, oh, yeah. they essentially cut it to eight episodes, but they said that they didn't, actually change too much of the story to make it condense in that way right so mm. uh, one of the things that i had seen and it was one of when i first watched the episode that the season finale for book readers it felt a little bit like there were too many cliffhangers for it and then i stopped and i realized this was supposed to be an episode eight uh, of a 12 episode series right and, but that makes sense yeah but i also think that <clears throat> that is a solid solid episode that if you had to cut it off somewhere that's the place to do it Perfect but it, yeah and they're basically tacking the last four episodes that would have been season six to the beginning of season seven and i think that's what they're going I like to do that. I like well that and it's going to make it easier for them to continue to make malva an important figure in claire's life because mm-hmm. i think that even when they're not talking about the character directly, um, I mean, just all of the mentions of her thinking of it as Malva's garden, as an example, and the journey that she goes on to forgiving her and coming to understand her in a new way um, will be really important for Claire's healing process. So yeah. maybe by stretching it over that the season-long gap, it'll it'll make more sense if they end up letting Claire deal with that with the Malva stuff. Um, God, I could just talk about the Christie's forever. Uh, but we yeah. still, we're almost at an hour, and there are two things I want to oh, make sure that we gosh, talk about. Maybe we'll have already? to do a part wow. two. I know. <laughs> Maybe we'll have to do a part say, two. I thought 45 minutes would be hard, and then I was yeah. like, oh, wow. Oh, no. Right. That, I mean, that's how this happens, right? Like, you all so. wonder how it is that Julie and I accidentally end up on two and a half hour episodes. This is this how. Is yeah. um, you're yeah. just like, oh, but I have so much more oh, to say. Let's just oh, keep going. This. Totally. Yeah. Um, so the two things I want to make sure we touch on before we wrap up are, uh, I want to talk about Fergus Marsali and we Henri Christian and um, and we have to talk about the ether and the ether is the big one so maybe let's let's briefly touch on 
on Fergsali, um, <laughs> and then uh, and then we can talk about the. You want to go with Mergus instead? <laughs> uh, um, they, uh, yeah, this is one of the chunks that maybe didn't work so well for me. Mergus, I don't know about Mergus. Yeah, literally crying. <laughs> How, how did you feel about our um, Fergus is in a dark place section of the story? I mean, it's almost to be expected. It, it's almost too on the nose for me with everything that he's been through and then everything with the baby and then, you know, him his massive guilt for, you know, what happened to Marceline and Claire and him not being there. And it's just, I think it works, but it's also... Uh, for me, so yeah. What well, about you, I mean, Caesar didn't have any lines last season. He just showed up and looked pretty. So I'm glad that he got to really, you know, stretch out in season six. And, but I, I agree. the The story itself feels very. I don't want to say predictable because that sounds a lot more mean than I mean it to. But it's pretty obvious that you'll have the story of like the man who is struggling so he's drinking and he's having troubles with his wife and then they have the final blowout and it just felt a little bit formulaic to me the way that they were translating all of his guilt into just this drinking habit Mm -hmm. um but i do like that they kept the conversation between him and claire about um his like what is it the the master of mushrooms or something the conversation i i don't really actually cry I like you know on the internet go oh my god crying but I was real tears watching that conversation because of the way of just how heartbroken and how powerless he finally felt in that moment explaining to her like you you can say that you want to give Ari Christian a good life I want to do it we'll protect him to the end of the earth but we're gonna die one day right and then he's stuck with this what at that time is just considered like a a deformity that no one's going to be able to deal with and it's this like huge thing for him to try to overcome and then for claire who's obviously you know from the future she's like it's it's not that bad people will come around everyone came around to me being a witch so it's fine (laughs) (laughs) did they claire did they She finds out later that's not true. She right, should have taken that yeah. into account with Omri Christian as well. It's not always that easy. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that Caesar did a really good job. Uh, but it is a little... Well, it's like what I was talking about with Tom Christie. There's a, co- a complex way to do that story. Mm-hmm. Um, or there's the, like, hackneyed most obvious way. And it's not, hackneyed is too strong a word. Um, yeah. It's not... It wasn't bad. No, and that's but it. Yeah. it wasn't anywhere near as complex as the best stuff in this season. I just don't think they had the room to make it complex. Yeah. So they had to just put it in a little box and make it exactly what you know, Emily said. Like, you know, A plus B equals C and then... And then sayonara, you guys are yeah, off and the then ridge. You're done. Yeah. Have fun with the onion. Yeah. Um, <laughs> man, I hope, I hope... We get at least one like really fun Fergus is a newspaper man now scene next season. Mm-hmm. Like I want I, I want him like smoking a cigar, <laughs> like he's J. Jonah Jameson. I guess like I don't know. I just really want I want Marsley to write a gossip column. 
I have thoughts about the onion. Um, okay, now, last thing before we go, um, and and like I said, maybe we'll ha- maybe we'll maybe we'll do a like a part two that's looking forward to season seven. Maybe that's what okay. we'll do. But for now, Ethergate. Yikes! How do you I feel know- about the ether. <laughs> This was an extremely polarizing conversation between book readers, and I even even though apparently I'm not as good at watching the show through non-book reader eyes as when it comes to Tom Christie, I had to take a step back and look at the ether as someone who hasn't read the books, and I think it made sense. I think it worked if you didn't know what the other options were. If you didn't know, quite frankly, that Diana in every possible way that she can tells you ether is very dangerous and very flammable and it is super super not cool to have and then you've got did you Michelle know Claire ether just... lights on fire right. yeah, did you know ether you don't want to be around that shit for too long it'll yeah. fuck you up and everything you have it's, it's very flammable but the show is just like look, look, I'm going to take some ether and I'm just going to pass out and leave it lying in the room open jars I was just hair. yeah <laughs> like Fire hazard. The obscene amount of flames that they showed this season. I was like, "This, you just know, you just know something's yeah. gonna happen." But yeah, so I, I thought that as someone who hadn't read the books, and I think that in the books, Diana has a lot more time to flesh out Claire's healing process after the events that happened at the end of season five. The show doesn't have that luxury of us being inside of her head all the time and having years and years to go through this with her. So I think that it worked to give us a quick, I mean, not quick, it took a whole season, but to give us a clear path of how Claire is healing through this and where she's at and how poorly she's doing. And then when she decides that she's going to make the better choice to stop using it as a crutch towards healing and actually start working through her issues. I thought it worked. But that doesn't mean that it didn't make me angry. Hmm. (laughs) What about you, Nicole? I agree. I think it worked as well. But like you said, in the books, you have that inner monologue. You have that, you know, you can see into Claire's thoughts. You can know exactly what she's thinking. And I think that the ether was like the physical manifestation of that in the show Hmm. that you can't, you know, you can't just be talking all the time. What, uh, What do you call it? Um... Like when uh, Claire's talking over like what's going Clarification. on. Clarification. Clarification. Yeah. <laughs> like, you, can't, <laughs> you can't just have that constant going on. So I think the ether was a good way to show what she's going through and, and what she's struggling with. And I think that Ask Clown Browntown bringing him in was a good <laughs> like manifestation of that as well. So I think it, it, it worked for, like you said, Emily, like if you weren't a book reader, I think it was a really good way to physically show what Claire was going through when you can't see into her mind. If you weren't a book reader and you also didn't know how dangerous ether is, oh, right. yeah. you were like, yeah. I don't know anything yeah. about science. Yeah, we're just going to carelessly leave this out. It's totally fine. It's not going to be like the massive thing that happens in the show. So. Yeah. By the way, our cat has free roaming privileges. That probably won't be an issue at all, right? Um, well, I right. just leave. All, an and there are children though. everywhere. There are just constantly children <laughs> running through yeah. the house. Probably no issue, though. I will just right. leave this out. Um, yeah, I agree with both of you. I think that 
it made a ton of sense structurally and they did a really nice job finding ways to make sure that it affects literally every aspect of Claire's life which Mm -hmm. is what happens with addiction right yeah Um, and I think that is really important and it gave Katrina a chance to do some capital A acting not that she's ever not but like man they gave her the goods and that's great I love that um I just wish that maybe they had found a way to make it something else, you know, to make it something where she would still be losing time. Um, But couldn't she like, couldn't she just have invented sleeping pills or something? I don't know. (laughs) I mean, theoretically she did. Yeah. Yeah. So just something that was, that isn't so directly at odds with the fact that, uh, they are all constantly aware that the house is supposed to burn down. <laughs> like, right? They, uh, that's a, it's a major plot point. It's, a it's literally plot point. That's why literally the point. Like, yeah, it's yeah. why your daughter is here. Like, yeah. it's that's the thing. Yeah. Um. So, what are you doing, Claire? Incredibly yeah. smart woman. Um, yeah. And I mean, maybe that's part of it. Maybe it's that her addiction was so serious that she's taking these risks she wouldn't normally take. But I just, she's just the kind of person where she wouldn't, she wouldn't leave those loose ends dangling in that way. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. like she would be like, I'm going to fuck, I'm going to blow up my whole life, but it's not going to be a fire hazard. <laughs> Yeah, you know? and I know that was a lot of people's biggest, like a lot of book readers, their biggest gripe because they're like Claire would never. This right. just doesn't make sense for her character, and it was so hard because I mean, there's differences between book Claire and show Claire, but this was one of those that they, it was like a line that was crossed. Like, there's no way that she would be this careless, especially knowing that their house could house burn down. down. Yeah. It's, yeah, there's an obituary flying out there of your house mm-hmm. burning down, so Claire would never be this careless. She would be and often is reckless and impulsive. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. But she, I think maybe part of it is just that she's in her surgery when it happens and she is so fastidious about her workspace. Right. And keeping things up on shelves and locked and away and, uh, uh, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And it's true. The work, the, the surgery, even in the books, is one of those things that they're constantly saying this is her space nobody really goes into it because everybody's kind of scared of it but everything in there is the way that she wants it to be so to think like in the show that even in there she can't escape from it she can't escape from everything that's happening out there it's a place that she can't control anymore oh that's such a good point yeah (laughs) emily that's a great fucking point um oh i just got feelings about it oh my god it's like the one space she was safe and that's where she was using oh my god okay Good job, Outlander season six. Good job. Yeah, yeah, I think ultimately net positive, but. uh, But I'm still looking at it sideways. I'm kind of like. Yeah, just like not, not, not quite there. Really good in theory. Um, Overall, still good. Like I'm, I would rather that they did it than not. I think that the season gained more from it than it lost. Right. But I feel the same way about it as I do about Tom Christie's character. Overall, kind of positive, but mm, really? Yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Uh, There's okay. a lot coming. So. There's a lot coming. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, this is in, uh, well, it'll be about an hour and 12 minutes because uh, we started recording a little early, but uh, 
Emily and Nicole, thank you for being here. Will you please, at some point in the future, come back pre-season seven, and we'll talk about uh, books six and seven and how they relate together and what the beginning of the next season might look like? Heck yeah. Absolutely. Cool. Absolutely. Anytime. This has the been two- so much fun. Like, Me, really. I, I, I agree. So I'm having a darn this. good like, time. So much fun. Yeah. I was nervous. Right. I got to tell you. Same. In. So all, all morning I was walking around like, kind of pacey and my husband's like are you all right I'm like yeah, I'm just really nervous <laughs> but excited nervous so well it's been so great thank you so much for being able to do this you were both great thank you for doing it thanks for taking the time on a weekend yeah um is there anything that either of you wants to plug do you have like a does your dog have an Instagram account or like anything that you want to plug no I'm not that cool <laughs> Uh, my plug is read the books. Trust me. Oh yes, <laughs> please read the books. I've been trying to get my mom to read the books for ages, and she's like, "I don't know. They're just really long." And I'm just like, "Just do it." What? Okay. You mean that you don't want to hold oh up this gigantic thick book with a bunch of tabs in it? Okay, you don't hold want on. To get into hold this? it back up. I talked a big game about how I wasn't wow. going to take screenshots, but I got to get yeah. a screenshot of this. I have um, this for every all eight books. Well, I haven't really? gone through nine yet. Yeah. I'll put a picture in the Slack and everybody can see how please, how insane yeah, I am. Please do. That's that's awesome. Wow. Um, speaking of the Slack, uh, if you enjoyed our In the Books chat and think, man, I really wish I could spend more time talking to people who've read the books about the books. There are, how many book channels are there? So there's Wild West Spoilers. Uh-huh. There's, yeah. there's the In the Books channel. Are there others? Uh, we had a separate one when everyone was reading bees because yeah. we wanted there to be a space specifically where you could spoil things. There was a bees um, please channel, and then there was a separate uh, private. Go channel. tell the bees that I'm done. Yeah, just, just we spoilers. spoilers. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Um, so there are lots of places to talk yeah. about book related stuff in the Slack, uh, which you can join um, via the Patreon. So uh, listen for that in this thing you're about to hear. <laughs> that's going to do it for whatever podlander presents episode you just listened to this time there are there are there are multiples and they're all you know what it's a surprise but they're all good they're all good <laughs> they're all good maybe it was podlander drunk cast not Leonard podcast maybe it was podgerton bridgecast a bridgerton podcast maybe it was sick sick burn, burn jane, jane La- lander the bridget no sick burn jane whatever it was i hope you enjoyed it we want to thank you all for listening you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash podlandercast. You can find us on Twitter at podlandercast and at sickburnjane and at podgertoncast and at that's it. There's those three. You can find <laughs> us on Instagram at also all of those places. Uh, podlandercast, Podlander Presents, um, sickburnjane and uh, Podgerton Bridgecast. You can also find us on Patreon where you can support the show, get access to our bonus episodes, like the bonus episode of What Now that we just recorded that was... So fun. (laughs) That was supposed to be about politics and was about politics, but it was also about poor unfortunate souls. Um, At patreon.com slash podlanderdrunkcast, there are all kinds of levels you can support at. All of them are incredibly useful to us, and we are so grateful for everyone who supports the show, but we are especially grateful to the following very generous folks. Allison King, Doc J- JWS. I saw Goody Proctor with the devil. 
Kelly Armstrong, Cindy Taylor, Catspaw156, Maddie Perkins, Snazzy Knack, Lisa Brian, Julia Gulia, Kathleen Martini, Lauren Tennant, Kelsey Kemp, Emily Day, Betsy English, Caitlin Reddick, Ashley Tegas, and Tina Barnett, Nicole Rodriguez, Kristen Freckled Fury, Laura Colm, Ham on the Loose! Liz and Tinkerbell, Stella Welch, Tori Halligan, Rochelle Lefevre, Amanda Smizazazaza, Heather Robbins, Jerry Hertel, sorry about mispronouncing your name for all that time, Jerry, Emily Carlson, Amy Gustafson, Rachel Townsend, Kelly Mazella, Chantel Salters, Mary the Falling Statue, Tara Lucchino, Viv Pickles, aka Laura, Mary of the Grapefruit, Jennifer Polkowski, Ann Gibson, Ruth McCormick, Kara Marlowe, Trish McCrary, Julie DeToy, Jen Lynn, Kelly Bond, Nemanin, and Kiki. The, the wise. wise. And a special shout out to our friend Kelsey, who is dealing with some shit right now. Kelsey, you are a champ. We are in your corner and we're super proud of you and you're kicking ass. Kicking ass! <laughs> kicking ass! You can find all of these podcasts wherever you get your podcasts. iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, all those places. If you're listening to this podcast and not any of the others, please consider giving the others a try and uh, review, subscribe, do all of those things. Anything that you can do um, makes things easier and fancier for us and also inflates our egos, which is the thing that we <laughs> so nice. desperately crave. That's, that's all we're in this for. I mean, let's be real. So uh, we will be back next week talking about some other bullshit. Bye! Bye! Hi, folks. Let me see if I can sum up Midnight Burger in about 25 seconds. It'll be fine. So this is how it ends. Eaten by wolves in space. Pardon me, Gloria. Might my husband and I have a word? The radio is talking to me. Really, big monster? Zero irony. We're surrounded by cavemen. What the hell is that? Because you're having a cigarette in 415 million BC. Where are we? Space. Can you narrow that down? The bad part? Ava. Yeah, that didn't work at all. At the nexus of all things, there is a diner. Look for Midnight Burger on your favorite podcasting app or just go to weopenat6.com.